everyone has an origin story, right? A place where all points begin, the explanation for that which is or that which has been. I mean, we all started somewhere and we all have the receipts to prove what we've done or what we've seen, if by no other way than simply how we wear life on our face. Now, imagine you get not one, not two, hell, maybe not even four or five, but picture, if you will, multiple origin stories, each of them turning out the same fucking way. It's as though instead of having a story with multiple ending options, there are multiple start points that converge on the same ending. It's fucking exhausting. But you know what else? It was a hell of a ride. My name is Jason Furious, and this is why this is my madness method. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, before we move forward, I need to take a quick step back and kind of get into what Harbor Island was uh, before we left for Sam's house. Now, Harbor Island was like our escape, right? We were really excited to be there. We had like these bright ideas and these big dreams and we were away and we were clean and we, we didn't really interact with the people that lived there, right? Like there was always activity there because you got to figure there were not only people that were living there on a week to week basis like we were, but they were also, you know, in town visitors just to hang out in Vegas and look for a place for the week. So we didn't really interact with even people that we saw day in and day out. You know, it was, yo, you good? Yeah, I'm good. And off we went. Interestingly, but but probably over our heads, guys would ask Cindy all the time, yo, Ma, you good? And and at the time, you're thinking, nah, these guys are just trying to holler and blah, blah, blah. You know, cute girl, young people in the area, whatever, right? And I just kind of let it go in on one ear and out the other. And I was just always telling her, it's cool. They're just being nice or whatever. And, you know, let's just stay focused and make a go of this, right? Fast forward just a little. And we're at Sam's and, and, you know, the whole situation at Sam's happens and, and we wind up back at Harbor Island. And now that we're back at Harbor Island and interestingly, we wound up in the same first level apartment that we left from. I don't know if they never filled it. I feel like we were gone long enough. They should have put somebody in it, but maybe not. Or maybe it was just coincidence that we wound up right back in the same spot. But now we came back and we had our rose-colored glasses on now. You know, most of the time, oh, you take them off to see more clearly. Nah, we had our, like, dope color glasses on. And these glasses allowed us to see what we were missing, right? So now the guys that were like, yo, you good, were kind of like, yo, what do you need? Like, they, they were the hustlers in the area. And the ones that were saying that to Cindy were trying to sell her something you know i later learned and and as this story evolves a lot of these guys were trying to turn girls out and get them on the track and and the track being any stretch of area any stretch of road that a certain guy's in charge of the hookers that walk from point a to point b the, the, that's his track and those are his hoes and you know a lot of these guys during the day are trying to find chicks to turn out and have them work at night in vegas and you know then we started noticing like the people that the people that we saw day in and day out you know, any apartment Cindy and I have ever lived in, when it's beautiful outside, we leave the front door open, the windows open, and people pass by, yo, hey, what's up? And hey, we're so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and, and we avoided that the first time there. And the second time, 
it was almost like the vibe and the energy changed. And now people are saying hi as they pass by and we're, we're now interacting a little more, but we're starting to see like, no oh, shit, that motherfucker's on one or that, that person's super drunk or why is that dude acting so sketchy? And, and now we're seeing it for what it is, right? Because now our brains are triggered back in chemically. And so we're seeing the things that we were not observing initially. Like it's, it's interesting when, you're sober, right? And it's interesting now, even even being sober today and looking in, you don't notice a lot. You know, you don't see the things that are happening right in front of you and, and the drug dealing that's happening right in front of you and prostitution that's happening right in front of you. But when you're high, you notice that shit. We would observe it, but our addiction didn't jump to where it was before we came to Vegas. Okay. It wasn't like it was full blown. We were partying. We were having a good time, but we were really making a go of this. Okay. Like we were really trying now. I mean, were we really? N no, but in our heads, we were like, oh, we're partying every now and then, but we're, you know, we're going to get our shit together. We're just having fun. It's Vegas. We're young. You know, we excused it away. You know, I would go work day labor jobs. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware of what those are, but you show up at like a temp agency and a company will call, hey, I need X amount of people, please send them, have them forklift certified or whatever. And then you'd go and you'd just work for the day, you get paid for the day. So this was in a very easy way for a couple of things. One, to pay for the place that we live in by the week, pay for dope, pay for going out, drinking, whatever it was, right? Getting paid by the day was really cohesive for this. But while I was at work and Cindy was really doing her best to like be a homemaker and as fucked up as, you know, bless her heart, man. She fucking tried so hard to be exactly what it is that she wanted to be and I needed her to be. And anyway, she would look for openings for me in like telecom work for, for a lot of years uh, when I was much younger during a span of time where I was sober. I would work in telecommunications, and, and I don't mean answering fucking phone calls. I wasn't one of those guys. I, I would run fiber optic networks. I would run data cables, and I would install all of the computer systems for Sonic Burgers. I would fly around the country, and I would install those. And so she would find me, you know, places that were hiring for that. And, and being that we came to Vegas, and, and one of the few things of all the stuff that we had lost, I didn't lose my toolbox, and my toolbox had endless amounts of specialty tools for this industry. So it was real easy to get an interview and say the right things and knowing my color codes and knowing patch panels and so on. But there was just one problem. Now, Harbor Island was situated on Koval, kind of behind where the Aladdin was, but now the Planet Hollywood. You know, we had to make our way from Harmon and Koval over to the other side of the freeway. And the reason being is the company that hired me on was on Valley View. Now, Valley View is a road that's on the west side of the Strip and of the I-15. And it's not it's, it's only a few blocks off of there. So the reason why we decided, hey, we need to move over to another one of these weekly spots on the other side of the freeway is because I've got no car, right? I've got to get this heavy-ass toolbox 
to and from. And conveniently on Trop and Valley View or very nearby, there was a budget in and suites, which again, you could pay for by the week. This company let me leave my toolbox in the warehouse where every morning it was already there. I just loaded in the truck with whatever team I was going to work with and things were going really good. You know, we were, we were kind of away and, you know, we would reflect even like, like we left Harbor Island and like when we came back, it was like, it was completely different. And not once did we put together that, that the drugs gave us clarity of what was really going on there. You know, you look now at Harbor Island, it doesn't even exist. It's actually the pit lane for F1 track, but we look, we look back at just how grimy it really was. Like you can Google the place and it's like murder, double murder, homicides. And like, Oh shit. You know, but here we were with this country bumpkin fucking attitude about it. Like just, Oh, this is great. And the place is so pretty. And, you know, so we got over to the other side of the tracks, so to speak. And we were the budget suites, <laughs> not a huge improvement, but it gave us some, some clarity. So now I'm working, I'm doing telecom work, I'm going to work with these guys, and things were going pretty good. Uh, you know, partying every now and then, it wasn't crazy, it was almost like I was trying to really give this a go. And I would, you know, I'd talk to my mom, or I'd talk to my uncle, and my uncle had a new girlfriend, okay, same uncle, new girlfriend. She had a son, Mike. And Mike and I were the same age and he was kind of in the same situation I was in, needing to get out of California just to get away from the current surroundings. And just in conversation, I was like, yo, man, why don't you have Mike come out and fucking, I'll get him a job out here. He can get away from that and just do like a reset, dude. Even if he just comes out for a couple of months, man, I'll get him some work. We'll have a great time in Vegas. No big deal. And my uncle and his girlfriend both, both agreed. You know what? I think that's a good idea. So I talked to my work and they were like, yeah, we could use some guys. And I was like, perfect. So there were some arrangements made. Mike made his way out until he arrived. Uh, I just kept working and I was starting to realize that I wasn't as good at this, at the telecom stuff. I wasn't as good as I once was. I, I guess thinking back, it's just the poisoning of my mind that was happening. But like, I wasn't getting patch panels right. I wasn't getting color coding right. But here's the thing, you guys, that's fucking fundamental. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't get your color codes right. The systems don't work. Now I've got my, you know, soon-to-be cousin, right? Because my uh, my uncle inevitably married a very wonderful woman, and, and Mike was her son. And so this is my cousin. So he's on the way, so I've got to try to fucking pull this off somehow. And so I would do, like, as much grunt work as I could to pass the time. Like if I was the guy that was just willing to do the shit nobody else wanted to do, they'd never catch on that I, I guess, didn't know what the fuck I was doing anymore. You know, there was a few weeks of that. Mike's in town now. You know, the, the intent was is for a couple of months he was going to stay and then just kind of see how it goes. But he was going to help pay for the weekly spot and stay on the couch and everything was going to be great. But Mike got there, we were working together, and now that Mike was there, and they, they knew that Mike didn't have any telecom experience, so now there was a guy there to do the shit that I was trying to consume my time with, so that nobody found out I was full of shit and didn't know what I was doing. So now they had an expectation of me actually doing the thing they're paying me to do, and, and it didn't take long for them to figure out that something was amiss. Like now I was partying heavier again. And I mean, of course I was right because Mike's in town and I got help with bills. So I got extra coin in my fucking head. Let's not save it. We got to blow it on something. 
I was showing up to work hungover or on one. It didn't take long for them to bounce me on. They were like sick of my shit. It was pretty quick. Like I had been there a couple of weeks by the time Mike got there and got started. They fired me and they let him stay on. And I I took that as like, you know, instead of a sign of, hey, fucker, you're heading back down the same road again, dude. It was all, oh, why me? Why why does this always happen to me? I'm trying so hard. Fuck, bro. Are you really? Are you really trying that hard? How hard? Did you stay fucking sober? Did, did you show up, you know, not intoxicated? Like, were you trying hard? But in my victim mentality and in my addiction, the devil still existed on my shoulder. I may not have been consuming the amounts, but it was definitely taking a hold. And so now I'm not working. Mike is. Good for him. And I thought, well, shit, I got to find another job. You know, I've got Sam's hookups hookup now. Uh, Juan, quote unquote Juan. Swear to God, that's what I was told to call this person. But I mean, here's the thing. I had no way to get to the other side of the strip. So there was no way I was getting to Sam's guy. He just was like, here, I I talked to Juan. Juan said you could call him. I was like, fucking great, dude. That's perfect for me. Now, it didn't matter who showed up when I called Juan. I was to refer to them as Juan. Didn't matter if it was a girl. There was a time two girls showed up, and I was to call them Juan. So now I've got easy, cheap access. I mean cheap, you guys. Cheap for this dope. Great fucking dope. $30. I think I was spending 50 bucks an eight ball. I was selling them in California for three fifty, but even with that hookup, I was God, you guys, I was trying, I was trying, I was trying. And here's that: the two different lanes, the two origin stories, right? I could have made a better decision for a better outcome, and and I sort of tried, I sort of tried. It, it means I just lost my job. I needed to find something new, so I needed to get clean. And I thought if I could just get clean for a few days, get this shit out of my system, because for some reason in my head, I was convinced that meth is out of your system in 72 hours. I don't have a fucking reason why I thought that. Okay. That's just what I thought. So I'm going to avoid one. Okay. And I'm going to sleep it off. And then when I'm done, I'm going to get right back to it and I'm going to be fine. And Cindy was right along with me. So we put Harry Potter in the DVD player and he put that motherfucker on repeat and we we slept it off for 72 straight hours and our body hurt. It was just body aches and sleeping and trying to eat and like, we're going to get through it. And unfortunately, during the 72 hour stretch, one of those days was Mike's day off. And now, mind you, I mean, he's well within his right. He was chilling. He was he was outside the apartment and he was smoking a joint. Now, mind you, this was far enough in the past that that wasn't okay. Smoking a joint out in public. I mean, I didn't give a shit, but, you know, some guy walked up to him and told him, hey, you, you can't be doing that. What's going on? I'm going to call the cops, blah, blah, blah. And Mike was like, bro, fuck you, dude. Like, it's my day off. Get the fuck up off me. Well... That uh, that was the security guard for the budget in campus uh, property, whatever. So the next day, we get a knock that this was reported back and that we have to vacate. Are you fucking kidding me? And they explained to me why. And I got to be honest, like now looking back, like it's so meaningless, right? But at the time, like I was pissed. 
dude, I was pissed at Mike. Like, here, I get you out here. I get you a job. And this is how you repay me, you fucking dumbass. Like, here's the thing. Like, we knew that it was illegal at the time. It's not like it wasn't. You know, looking back, I really feel like that drove a wedge between he and I that never really repaired. And that sucks, dude, because I really liked Mike. But my response to this was kind of petty. I told him, fuck this, dude. You got to go. You're getting me kicked out. You fuck, go home, dude. Get the fuck out of here. I, I was probably a dick about it. I mean, maybe rightfully so, but, you know. So he winds up, I mean, literally within a couple of days. Like, he doesn't give notice. He doesn't try to, he just bounces from the job I got him, which I guess didn't fucking matter because I got fired anyway, right? But he goes home. And I go up to the front office and I talk to the manager and whatnot. And I'm like, come on, guys. It was just a guy that was in town for a couple of days. It's gotten, he was just staying with us. He's not living there, none of that. And they were like, look, you can stay until the time you've paid for is up. And I was like, fuck. All right. And by this time, I had just paid a couple of weeks. So, okay, I got a, I got a couple of weeks to fucking figure out my life. Today, if you would tell me I got two weeks to figure out your life, I'm fucked. Okay. But back then, two weeks figuring out your life, shit, that was a week to fuck off. <laughs> I had a whole week I could blow and then figure it out. So what did I do? I call Juan. Hey, I got a week to fuck off and I got some money. I got shit nowhere to be. You know, I'm pissed off about Mike and the way this whole shit went down. And, you know, in hindsight, after he went home, his last check came to me. And I just held that motherfucker. I was pissed, dude. I was like, fuck this, dude. You were supposed to pay your piece of rent, blah, blah, blah. I'm keeping your check, dude. His mom wound up calling me and fucking lighting my ass up. And rightfully so, but I told you I was I was kind of petty about it. I gave him his check, dude, but I don't know that that relationship ever got or will get fixed. And that sucks. So anyway, I'm at the budget suites. Dropping calls to Juan whenever I run out of dope. And again, like I said, when it's beautiful outside, we leave the apartment door open. And and again, we're at the budgets and we're on the first floor. And conveniently, it's it's facing a road. It was like a dead end. It's wind road, but it was like a dead end that doesn't meet Tropicana. But anyway, it's like just the road where like everybody kind of hangs out. And there was always guys like trying to learn to pop wheelies on motorcycles and all. I'll never forget the time I met my first partners in crime out in Vegas. Now, Mike had just went back home. I was mad. I got to leave the suites in two weeks, but I'm on one. I got some beers. I got a bunch of dope. I'm feeling good. I just took a wandering out there, and there was this guy, and he couldn't get this fucking motorcycle up. And it was like kind of annoying to watch him keep trying over and over and over and i was like bro you know i just walked up to him like fucking like i know what the fuck i'm doing i'm like you're not doing it right you got to double clutch these things because you don't have a big enough sprocket to get the nose up and he's like what and i said let me see this thing and i just was like let me see it and i got on this fucker and i showed him blah 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 and i popped this motorcycle up rode a wheelie down the street turned it around brought it back i was like here you go and now, mind you, like I said, this was a dead-end road, so, like, there was a bunch of people kicking at cars lined up and whatnot, and there was two guys that were parked closest to my apartment. Now, my apartment was really as close as the budget suites apartments get to Tropicana and that wind road, right? Like, we were, like, off nice in this corner, and there was these dudes parked at the very end of the wind road in the cul-de-sac there, 
And I went walking back and they were like, yo, man, that was sick. And, you know, where'd you learn to ride and all this shit? And we got to talking and I was telling them, I'm like, I'll be honest with you, bro. Like I've wrecked more motorcycles than I've actually like successfully ridden. You know, like you just figure it out. That's how you figure it out. You know what I mean? You learn to jump a motorcycle by falling off because you know what? That shit hurts, man. You fall off once, you figure out how to not do it again. And so that's how our conversation started. And the guys I wound up meeting, cool cats, man. Cool cats. I, I still wonder what happened to these guys. The, of of all the people that I wouldn't give a fuck how they're doing anymore in this story, these two guys, Joey and Ryan. Okay. Joey was this Asian kid, young Filipino guy. And then Ryan was this tall white guy, really excitable. He was kind of preppy-ish looking dude, but like he couldn't focus and he was just all over the place and super excited about life, I guess. We'll go with that, right? And it took me a minute of conversating with these guys to figure out, this guy's not excited about life. He's fucking on one. Somehow, within an hour of meeting Joey and Ryan, the conversation came up. Do you guys party? With what? With some fucking shit, dude. With some ice. What's up? And they were like, fuck yeah. And guess what, y'all? It found me again. And did I tell um Well, no, of course I didn't tell them anything. No, thank you. Or let's not do this. Fuck no, because I initiated the conversation to do they parting. And now fucking Ryan has a bag. Joey has a bag. And Jason has a bag. How's that for a fucking triple threat? The evening goes on. I give him some beers. We smoke a little shit, you know, and we go into the apartment. We have a session. We're all good and on one. We're back out in the street fucking around. And we started talking about these guys on the motorcycles. And I'm like, how the fuck this guy not figure out how to ride this bike yet? And he goes, bro, that that bike's so fucking stolen. I was like, oh, shit. You know, me being the, again, the trusting, I guess, individual or, or you know, my lack of paying attention to all the fucking details, like, oh, that's why he doesn't give a shit whether or not he grinds these gears or fucks his bike up. <laughs> well, the evening drags on and Joey and Ryan got to go to work and this is where it gets cool. So I'm like, oh shit, you guys are going to work after drinking and smoking dope all day. They're like, <laughs> so what these two guys did was they ran the adult store that was connected to one of the, the big strip clubs there in Vegas. And I was like, what? Two things, right? One, if you've ever done meth, you know that if you're on meth, you're trying to fuck, okay? And also, if you've ever been anywhere ever, uh, you know that there's a underbelly to the strip club world, right? A lot of drugs float around there. So in my head, I'm thinking, hey, I can come get shit from the adult store, get some adult accessories, right? And for me and my girl... And I can strike up some business with these fucking hoes that are stripping at Tad's Strip Club. And so before I let them leave, I was like, yo, which one? Okay, cool. Is it cool? I come through. Like, what's up? Can I get the hookup? And he was like, yeah, just come through. You know, shoot me some shit, dude. Show me what you want. I'll put it in a bag. You're out the door. No problem. I'm like, fucking, that's what's up. As exciting as that was, and I got to admit, it was pretty, pretty exciting. Like, it's a good hookup, you know. You may not see it that way. You got to see it from my eyes. <laughs> because not only was it a, a hookup at the adult store, but it was access to strippers that you know want to buy dope. So it's a business opportunity on top of a hookup. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't fucking help myself. I could have just been like, oh, all right, guys, later. You know, like, 
I, I don't want to go down this road again. Nope. No, I saw fucking dollar signs and I knew that I needed to generate dollar signs. And I never looked back for looking for a job. That night, I recopped from fucking Juan and showed up over at that fucking adult store, which I got to tell you, was fucking massive. And it wasn't like the fucking, I don't know what ones you got in your town, but it wasn't like this brick building with no fucking windows. This motherfucker was lit up. Big windows in the front. Like, you could see who the fuck was in there and what they were buying, you know, but it was attached to a big ass strip club. Like, there was an entrance into the strip club from the adult stores. So... We went in there and we were checking out all kinds of shit. Like, I mean, here's the thing. The value of dope in a bartering situation is way more than the value of a dollar. I can assure you. So things I would usually look at and be like, oh, put that down. It's expensive. I'd be like, yo, I'll give you a fucking gram for this. They're like, cool. Out the door it goes. Now, a gram for me was 15 bucks. So that night we went and intentionally took our time. I I kicked Joey and Ryan a little shit because they were at work now and asked, you, you got it or you out? And they're like, nah, we ran out. I'm like, here, here's some shit, dude. And, and without fail, the strippers would come in and they would have a conversation with Joey. Joey was the calm one that took care of the girls and Ryan handled the transaction, which I don't know. Ryan probably should have got cut out of most of this shit because that guy was super hype all the time. But here's the thing. I already knew that they were out and I was giving them shit to stay on one to work. So every girl that walked into that room needed it and they either had to make a call or I sit tight and I do the transaction. And it was a perfect fucking setup. It was absolutely perfect. I was just patient and it happened. And then it just kept happening because I'm going to tell you this right now. I got real lucky. This guy fucking quote unquote won or these guys or these people won. <laughs> They had fucking good shit, man. Good shit, just like I was used to. And when you got good shit, it sells itself. And I sat there that night, and I knew exactly what the fuck I was about to do. I was about to return to the lifestyle. Not for one fucking second look for a job, but I'm about to enjoy the fuck out of Las Vegas. Everything it's got to offer and everything I want to take. I wasn't sure how far I was going to take this, but I knew <laughs> I come on. My first step into the dope game in Vegas was slanging to all the strippers at one of the biggest fucking strip clubs in Vegas at that time. There was no making my way up to this shit. It was right to it. Well, if that's how I'm starting, I sure as fucking going backwards. It's only up from there. Oh, man, you guys. You know, it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Later in life, it was my business acumen was top notch, but <laughs> my dope dealing skills were like something else, something out of a book. It was ridiculous. Maybe it wasn't even my skills. Maybe it's just my luck. <sighs> so now I'm about to be homeless. And you guys, I'm selling dope fucking hand over fist. I went from picking up a couple of eight balls a day from one to picking up a couple of ounces to picking up half a pound, like fast. You know, there's only so much porn you can collect. <laughs> you know, there's only so many toys your girls fucking want to deal with. You know what I mean? Eventually, it's all got to go to sales and motherfucker. 
Man, them strippers do some fucking dope. They do not play. So listen. It's going to get wild. I need you to stick with me. Yo, if you have any stories, if anytime you've ever been to Vegas and you know anything about Harbor Island or the Budget Inn and Suites, if you know anything about it, I would love to hear your stories. My Madness Method 819 at gmail.com or My Madness Method on Instagram, 819product.com. That's the word eight, numbers one nine, word product.com. You can see all the other podcasts I'm on. You can kind of keep track of what else is happening out there. I'd love to hear from you. My name is Jason Farias. <laughs> and this is my madness method. A little lazy, although we're always tested like chuck up on a daily. Adrenaline pumping like a piston. Got me so high, I'm in the sky and I kissed it. Hey there, this is Kevin from the Sad Times Podcast. On Sad Times, each week, we invite guests on to tell stories about some of the most difficult times in their lives. Our goal is not to solve, diagnose, or fix the difficulties, but to have real, sometimes humorous, as much as possible, conversations about the sad times we all share. While not always discussed, these times remain universal, and we hope in hearing the stories of others, you find yourself feeling a little less alone. Please come join the conversation at sadtimespodcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. That's Sad Times Podcast, a subsidiary of Omnisad. Brought to you by The Human Condition.